Here's just one I want to read, one verse. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. Everybody shout amen. God, we're asking you to do something special uh, and transformational in our minds and transformational in our actions and reactions. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Please be seated. There are some people in your lives that can become impediments to your growth. Whether it's your growing in your walk with Jesus, whether it's your trying to get to the next level and pursuing your God-given dream, or it's just simply uh, you're trying to get to the next level of becoming and being your best self. There are some people in our lives, if we're not careful, can impede that growth. So today I want to talk about the challenge of toxic people. Everybody shout toxic people. Let me define the word toxic for those of us who need a definition. Uh, If one is toxic, what we're saying is that she or he is uh, unhealthful, unhealthy uh, in how they relate to others in their relationships and situation. And in some cases, they may even be harmful. That's what we mean by the word toxic. Now, we hear this term toxic. Everybody shout toxic people. Thrown around all the time. As a matter of fact, if you're on Facebook or out on the internet, there are all kinds of uh, encouraging advice about how to deal with toxic people. The contemporary culture basically has uh, one basic way that they're suggesting that you deal with toxic people. Let me give you some examples. I pull these off the internet and Facebook. There's one person writes this. It's amazing how quickly things can turn around when you remove toxic people from your life. Somebody else writes this. I heard a lot of amens out there. See that? Somebody else writes this. It's simple. It's just simple. Stay away from toxic people. And then here's one of my favorites. <laughs> how to be happy. <laughs> Delete the toxic people in your life. Everybody shout delete. So essentially the contemporary advice, and I've heard a variety of people share this, is simply if you've got toxic people in your life, eliminate them. Then you'll be able to live a life of peace. Now, let me suggest that the Bible uh, in various places, uh, it does suggest from time to time that there are certain people that we ought to avoid or eliminate from our lives. And so I, I want to agree with this in the sense that there are some people who may be so destructive that in fact this should be an option. If you're in a relationship of violence, then eliminating that from your life is appropriate. If you're in a relationship where there's ongoing sexual abuse, then eliminating that from your life is appropriate. Uh, If you're in a relationship where you're being just verbally 
uh, plummeted and just beaten down, then perhaps uh, that may be one of those situations where uh, deleting is appropriate. But I want to suggest to you that for those of us who are Jesus followers, barring some of those exceptions, our first response shouldn't be eliminating people from our lives. Now, if you just start deleting all the toxic people from your life, you might discover you're in a room by yourself. (laughs) And if you're honest with deleting the toxic people from the life, you might be deleted yourself. (laughs) Because the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, One Christian psychiatrist uh, puts it this way. He says, most of us came to Jesus because of our sin, and we spend the rest of our lives pretending like we're not sinners. Everybody shout, pretending like. The fact of the matter is we're all sinners, and the sin in our lives is uh, toxicity in our lives. And that's why Pastor Tilden preached the message he did last week that said that we ought to be practicing ongoing repentance, that it is a process of having to realign our lives with the will of God. So all of us, tell the person next to you, that includes me, come on, tell them that includes me. Uh, all of us have some tax toxicity in our lives. But there are some that are at a kind of higher level of dysfunctionality, and so we want to <laughs> deal with them today. <laughs> so uh, let me look at Scripture here. Uh, we've been in Exodus, and I'm just going to walk through Exodus, and I want to pull out the theme of toxic people uh, in the Exodus story. And in all these examples, it's going to say that really the nation of Israel responded this way. But how many of you know uh, that in order for a big group to become toxic, it always starts with a small group? Always starts with a small group of toxic people. So look at some of the examples that we find in Exodus surrounding Moses and Aaron. Chapter 14, verse 10 uh, through 12. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord. They first panicked, then they prayed, and then they turned on Moses. They said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? And then it goes on, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Shout toxicity. Yeah, and then skip over two chapters and go to uh, uh, chapter uh, 16 and verse 1 and 3. The whole community of Israel sets out on their journey into the wilderness of Sion, although it's spelled sin, I like that, between Elam and Mount Sinai. And they ride there on the 15th day of the second month. They are, they, they have, they, they've gone without eating. And verse 2, there too, the whole community of Israel complain, shall complain. Complain about Moses and Aaron. <clears throat> if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they mourned. 
There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all of the bread we wanted. Now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Shout toxicity. That's in chapter uh, 16. Then you go to chapter 17. And here it goes again. This time they have been some days without uh, drinking. And so once more the people complained. Shout complained against Moses. Give us water to drink. They demanded Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children? Here the toxicity and our livestock with thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. Shout toxicity. Toxicity. And then we end up at verse, chapter 32, verse 1. People, toxic people who tend to make you do the, or encourage you to do the wrong thing. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, man, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. Shout toxicity. Toxicity. Now, let me give you, as we've, we've, we've worked through this theme, Let's reflect on what we've read. Let me suggest that there are three truths you need to be aware of when we're dealing with toxic people. The first truth is that the average person who is toxic tend to believe that she or he is helping you rather than being harmful. Well, they're not necessarily this bad person. They're, they're un, uh, unhealthy way of behaving is really their attempt to be helpful. So had you talked to the people who were complaining against Moses, they would say, hey, wait a minute, we're trying to be helpful. We're speaking truth to power here. We're, we're, we're confronting Moses and Aaron with their inadequacy, they, their poor planning, their poor leadership skills. I mean, I mean, after all, did they not think about the fact we had to get past the Red Sea and, and that the Egyptian army was going to uh, uh, follow us? I mean, come on now. What kind of planning is that? That's just poor thought. We're just being honest. We're just trying to be helpful. Helpful. Second truth about toxic people or situations is that oftentimes a situation or relationship can be toxic as opposed to the people. People just trapped in a certain situation, a relationship. Now in this case, it's both toxic people and toxic situations. The context for this complaining uh, is, 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 uh, is, is toxic in and of itself. And Chapter 14, the context is uh, the Egyptian army is closing. They can't get past the Red Sea. Uh, if the Egyptians catch up with them, they will be killed. They will be slaughtered. So there's a real fear for their lives. That's the context, right? And the 16, the context is that people are starving. They've gone days and days without eating. And so they're, they're, there's a real fear that they're going to starve to death. That's kind of a toxic context, right? Uh, and the third example is thirst. And they're afraid that they're going to thirst to death. And then the last example, Moses has been gone for six uh, weeks. And uh, they, they, they don't, as, as Pastor Tilden said last weekend, uh, uh, they, they don't think he's going to return. And they think he probably took God with him. And so, uh, since he took God with him, let's just go ahead and make a couple more gods to help us out. 
<laughs> along the way. The situation is toxic. Last weekend, my wife and I, we talked uh, the marriage retreat, and we talked about the fact that marriages go through seasons. This is just really good insight for all of us. There's summer when everything is great, and uh, there's fall when uh, uh, there's a lot of excitement, but then there's the, the, the stuff that makes us excited also we start fighting about, and then, uh, then there's winter where stuff dies, and, and if you can survive that, then another spring comes up from something. And one of the things that we kept drilling home was that seasons change. All right, tell the person next to you, seasons change. Seasons change. Seasons change. So there's one couple that I know that uh, early in their marriage as a young couple, one was in graduate school and the other one had a couple of part-time jobs and, and, and they were always fighting. They were visually at each other's throat around the money because we know that finances is a big reason for a lot of couples fighting. And so, uh, you know, one of, one, one of them was like, you know, just was spinning and spinning because they were like, uh, we don't have no money anyway. We just want to go ahead and have some fun. And the other one is like, no, we got to hold tight to the budget. And, and I mean, it's just fierce fighting. Then graduation comes. The person graduates from graduate school. The other person gets promoted in their job. And a few years down the road, their budget has doubled and tripled. And suddenly, the fighting ended. You see? The situation was toxic, you see? It was the financial tightness of the situation. When that changed, they changed. Seasons change. So you have to distinguish between is this a kind of a toxic situation that if when that changed, we just kind of have to hold on. Everybody shout, hold on. And when the season change, we'll be better. Or really, is there some toxicity uh, in the person that I'm dealing with? You got to try to figure that out. Third truth is um, if you see the toxic situation or the toxic person, it's on you to respond differently. All right? Tell the person next to you. It's on me to respond differently. Tell them. All right. Don't wait for the toxic person to start acting like they're not toxic anymore. Because the average toxic person does not know they're toxic. I told you they think they're helpful. So if you see that they are toxic or the situation is toxic, you have to respond differently. Now, here's another way I want you to think about the word uh, responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. So when you say the word responsibility, you think immediately my obligation. And that's implied, that's important, that's part of the definition. But here's what I want you to think about. I want you to challenge you to think about it in a different way today. Think about the word, just split the word apart. Everybody say response, ability. See, over here is response. Say response. Over here is ability. Say ability. I go back. It's the ability to respond differently. You have, especially those of us who are followers of Jesus and we have the power of God working in our lives, we ought to have, once we recognize there's some toxicity going on, we ought to have the ability to respond differently. So this whole thing, like, she just pushed my buttons and this is all I can do. No, 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 no. You've got the ability to respond differently. All right? God does not want us to normalize nor duplicate 
unhealthy or abusive behavior. We have to respond differently. Okay, got it? So, how do I recognize a toxic person? Ask the person next to you, do I look like a toxic person? (laughs) See, that's the deal. Toxic people look just like you and me. Wow. So we have to put on some lenses so we can recognize toxic people when we see them, even if it's when we're looking in the mirror. Number one, a toxic person is a person oftentimes who is the controller. They want to control what you think. They want to control what you do. Uh, they, they want to control everything about your life. They want to control what you wear. They want, to, they want to pick the restaurant all the time that you go to. They want to pick what's on TV all the time. I mean, they, 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 they have to be in control. Shout toxicity. Toxicity. That's one example. Another example is what I want to call... Uh, the emotional drainer. You know this person, like, today is a kind of a cloudy day, but, but if this was a sunshining day, the sun would be shining through. And this person that I talk about, whenever they enter the rain, the sun runs and hides behind the clouds. <laughs> I mean, they're so negative, they're so pessimistic, they're so always sad. I mean, you see them for 15 minutes, you intend just to talk to them, I'm going to have a 15-minute conversation, you just say, for 15 minutes, two hours later, they done walked you through two or three sad stories, you're trying to encourage them, you're trying to build them up, you're trying to cast vision for them, and this is not just like every now and then, this is like every time you see them. So that when you exit, you are completely drained, right? In some cases, you dread seeing them come. On other occasions, these are the folk who, when they get around you, they're so negative, sad, pessimistic, they turn it on you. They use sarcasm to jab at you. They point out your inadequacies. They point out your, 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 where, 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 where in their mind you're not good enough. They're constantly reminding you of where you fall short. I mean, didn't you hear that in the text? That's what they were doing. There were some folk just like this who, was, who were reminding uh, Moses and Aaron, here's where you fall short. Some of those folk were in the group. They had some controllers in the group as well. Third category is... Um, Drama magnets. I just like the way that sounds. What you say? What you say? Drama magnets. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they like, they like, they like. Is there any drama anywhere in the state? They just attract it. It just comes to them. And you know, it's like one crisis after the next crisis after the next crisis, and 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 their drama has a way of becoming your drama. Just keeps leaking into your life. And you know, they're always the victim. Always in every story, in every setting, in every situation. It's a job situation, it's a family situation. Doesn't matter. When they tell the story, they are always the victim. So they're always complaining. And they want you to be empathetic, sympathetic, supportive. Yes, just don't try to give them any good advice. <laughs> you know, person they come up they say you know 
they're telling you for the 20th time about how somebody dogged them out and this is wrong, this is wrong, the spouse, the kids, this and that. And then you say something like, well, you know, you can't really change those people. Have you ever thought about how you might change? Well, you know, I got to go. I don't have time. No, we just don't. No, 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 I got to go. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Drama magnets. All right. There's one. There were some of those folk that was in this crowd that Moses had to deal with. You know, that they, they attracted the drama. And then when all this scene began to, 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 to gather force, they were right there in the drama. And then there are those I call uh, jealous and judgmental. I have a, I have a, I have a acronym for them. I just call them JJ. <laughs> Back in the seventies, one of my favorite sitcoms used to be Good Times, and one of the main characters was a guy by the name of JJ, and, and the things that he used to say all the time in, in moment of excitement, dynamite. Well, whenever you run into a JJ, there's probably some dynamite somewhere around the way. They, 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 they are, in a sense. Explosive. I mean, if you're jealous, watch it. it. It comes out of your own insecurity, right? That's what's really going on. You're insecure about who you are, what you can acquire, so you're jealous about what the other person is. If you're regularly judgmental, as the scripture says, judge ye not so that you will not be judged. If you're regularly judgmental, uh, it's probably because you think so poorly of yourself internally. You're always beating yourself up internally. And so that's how you relate to other people. You are JJ. And be careful about JJs because uh, they, they, uh, you know, they, they are always uh, complaining. They're always pointing out wrongs in other people. They are the lead gossipers at work. The lead gossipers uh, at, ch- at church, they lead God. You know, but this is the person. Did you hear what I heard about person three offices down? Did you see what she wore to church the other morning? My God, what closet did she get dressed out of? <laughs> Be careful because they are talking to you today, they will be talking about you tomorrow. Right? That's how these gossipers work, jealous and judgmental. Nobody's cool enough. I had some of those folk in Moses' group, some folk who concluded, you shouldn't have been the leader in the first place. I don't know what God was doing putting you the leader. How did God overlook me and put you there? See, jealousy, see, see. Point out, oh, mother, you know, you hold the staff wrong. I mean, if you really knew how to hold If you were the leader, you, hold, you know how to hold the staff like you got some authority. You, you walking around like, come on. It was in the group, y'all, in the group. Tell them, in the group, in the group. And then uh, lastly, uh, two, is the liars. These are folk who exaggerate all the time. They lie about small stuff, lie about big stuff. I mean, they burn you out. They lie so much. You, you don't know whether they're telling the truth. Or they're You're trying to figure out, is this true? Is this not? Is this exaggerated? Clearly, there were some folk in the group exaggerating with Moses. Man, you should have left us in Egypt. We were having a great time in Egypt. Are you kidding? <laughs> we know folk like that. And then lastly, there's the tank. Everybody say the tank. 
I, I, I think it's because I love the image. You know, it's the military tank. You ever seen those military tanks? Nothing. They just drive through everything. Walls and, and houses. They just drive through everything. Well, there's some people. They have some personalities like that. They have to be. They have to always be first. They have to always be right. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they have to dominate every conversation. They have to dominate. Uh, uh, their opinion has to be taken as fact. Uh, uh, and they are completely oblivious and insensitive to the people, to the feelings around them. They just don't care. The tank. So, you recognize anybody? All right, everybody shout reset. Okay, so how do I reset? See, because I want to argue that Jesus does not want you kicking these people out of your lives because some of them are your parents. And some of them are your adult kids, and some of them are your siblings, and some of them are your colleagues, and some of them are your bosses. You can't leave a job every time you run into a toxic boss. So Jesus says, no, I, I've, I've called you to be a, a transformer. I, I've called you within boundaries to, to do some work here and, 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 and to be a light, to be salt. So how do we do it? Everybody shout, How? All right, number one, you have to set limits. Everybody right, set limits. You have the ability to set limits. Set limits. And when you set limits, uh, uh, as opposed to cutting people out of your life completely, I do what I heard. Uh, I heard that the former pastor of Bel Air Presbyterian Church when he used to preach on these types of subjects, here was his advice. He would say, rather than cutting people out of your life, simply put them in another relational orbit. Let me show you this picture. This is a picture of the planets orbiting around the, uh, around the sun. And uh, so this is the sun. And we got this planet here, and this is close, and so forth and so on, right? And so let's just say that this is your good friend. They're, they're close, they're in, your, they're in your close proximity, in your orbit. But over the years, they've been becoming more and more jealous of you. And as a result of becoming more and more jealous of you, they're becoming much more judgmental. Uh, and, 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 and they've become toxic. Everybody shout toxic. So don't cut them out of your life. Just shift them over to another relational orbit. Put some distance between you. See, well, uh, 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 shorten the frequency that you are engaging with them around. Uh, 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 put them on a different relational orbit. Inside the same point around setting limits, uh, change your expectations. Listen, some of us may have a parent who just will never affirm the job that we're in. or never give us a word of real affirmation. It's just not who that parent is. So I read once a sign that said, hope, but don't expect. So, so you have to shift your expectation. First of all, uh, uh, you, you need to learn how to go to God on a regular and figure out who you are in God's eyes. First of all, see? And, and if you know that God says that I have loved you with an everlasting love, that means that you are loved and that you are lovable. So if person X does not love you, it's their loss, doesn't change your reality. You are loved 
and you are lovable. You need to know that for yourself. So if there is a parent that will never give you affirmation, stop pursuing affirmation from that parent. Change your expectation. There are other things that that parent can do and will do and be blessed by that and get your affirmation from a sibling or get your affirmation from a colleague or get your affirmation from your small group that meets in your church. But find a different place to get your affirmation. Stop looking there. If you got a boss that will never give you credit for work, doing good work, stop trying to impress the boss. Right? Change your expectation. Just say, I'm going to work as though I'm going to work as though I'm working for the Lord. And my work will speak for me. Come on now. And, 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 and get whatever affirmation you need from other places. Stop, stop empowering that person to dog your life out like that. The moment you change the expectation, you remove power. Wow. Everybody go, wow. Right? Now, I want to point something out here with Moses. I'll just use two. I have a list here, but I'm just going to do two. Uh, if you go to uh, chapter 17, uh, 4 and 5, verse 4 and 5, you'll notice this. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, now notice the formula. Moses cried out to who? And then it says, and the Lord said what? To Moses, right? See the thing? When you get ready to start setting limits, make sure that the first place you go for reflection and processing is to God. Because let me just give you an example. There are at least three groups of people. And each one of them requires a different relational orbit. There's one group that when you point out to them that they have hurt you in some way, they will feel deep sorrow, they'll feel that pain, and they'll start the process of changing. Shout process. Won't change overnight, but you can see the process. You'll see the progress in the process. There's a second group that when you point out that they've hurt you, they will feel the pain but will not change. There's a third group that when you point out to them that they've hurt you, they will neither feel the pain, neither will they change. It's not even their agenda. Each of these groups requires a different strategy, a different relational orbit that you put people on. And so in today's culture, uh, there's this thing called mindfulness. Everybody shout mindfulness. Mindfulness is everywhere. Mindfulness. I went to my daughter's school uh, a couple of days ago. It was friends and family day, so I, I got to sit in on the classes. She had to restrain me. Uh, every time she'd get a question right, I wanted to give her a high five. And she didn't do that in class. All the other parents sitting there. Anyway, so in this mindful class, uh, they said they were teaching you how to be mindful in this class she's taking. So they, they took a Lay's potato chip, had a big old bag, they passed it around. I wanted to reach a hand, and they said, no, just one. So they said, take one, that's about this big. 
And they said, now, bite it in half. And I bit it in half. All of us did. And they said, now savor the potato chip. <laughs> Taste the saltiness. The, the texture against your tongue. And what they were trying to do was teach you how to be aware. Shout aware. Well, you know, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. But let me give you, here's, here, here's the Christian word for a mindfulness. It's called prayer. Prayer, prayer. Prayer is where I take a toxic relationship before God. And I say, and I say, God, let's talk this through. This is, this is what, before I talk to my friend, before I talk to the therapist, let me first talk to God. And, and, and God, let, let me just lay out, here's some of the stuff that's going on. And I see the, is there a pattern here? And by the way, God, is there a pattern going on in me? Can you make me mindful? Make me aware. All right, so Moses' first step, and he did that. Now, let me give you an example of what happens when Moses does not do that. In, uh, in, uh, in 32, Exodus 32, 19 and 20, he comes out of the mountain. God then already told him what's going on. Pete talked this last weekend. God's already tested him by saying, I'll wipe him out and just start a new nation through you. It can just be about you. And, and he passes the test. No, it can't just be about me. It's about you, God, about your plan. Oh, that's cool. So now he comes out on the mountain. He sees what's going on. Watch what the text. He doesn't check in with God when he comes out of the mountain. He just reacts. Everybody shout reacts. Right? There's a difference, by the way, between responding and reacting. Right? Rather than responding, we all have the ability to respond. He reacts. Impulsively. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing and he burned. He burned it with anger. Shout burned with anger. He threw the stone tablet to the ground, smashing them. This is the holy tablets he got from God, smashing them on the Ten Commandments. with Charles and Heston, they all blew up. I don't know if you saw that or not, but it was great. Uh, tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. Watch this next text. Keep on. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it in the power, powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. That's abusive. <laughs> it is. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is, he's allowed their toxicity, toxicity to, 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 to cause him to be toxic. And how many of you know two toxic folk are just toxic? <laughs> he didn't ask for God. He goes on later on, kills him and all this. There's no real consultation with God inside of this and that very anger that's the same anger that made him kill that Egyptian and bury him in the sand it's the same anger that at the end of the day he hits the rock twice and causes God to say enough is enough you can't lead the people into the promised land listen one of the reasons why you need to wrestle with toxic people in your life is because toxic people force you to look at your own stuff when you cut them out you cut out with the reason, the challenge to look at your own insecurities, your own anger issues, your own stuff. So you go to God first if you're a follower of Jesus. Now let me finish this up. Last few minutes. So, everybody shout, set limits. And then, um, when you set those limits, you, 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 you have to 
uh, uh, recognize and avoid negative situations, behavior, as much as within your power. There's a wonderful text in Matthew chapter 10. It's a great text. Let me get verse 16 is where I want to look. Here's what Jesus is doing. Watch this. Everybody shout power. See, I want Jesus followers to know that he has given you power. So he says to his disciples, 12, he says, look, I've given you power. So here, you've been watching me. I want you to go do what you see me do. Don't go to the Samaritans or to the Gentiles. I want you to go to your own people, the Jewish nation. I want you to proclaim that the kingdom has come. And I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to lay hands and heal those who have leprosy. Shout power. Come on. Heal those who have leprosy. I want you to be a part of the healing. You see what he's saying? I want you to be part of giving life where there's death. Uh, uh, and and, 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 and I'll, as freely as you've received, that's how freely I want you to give. Uh, 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 don't charge anybody for anything. Uh, uh, just, just, just go do this. But then here's verse 16. Watch verse 16. In that context, that's just a good news context. That's just people trying to be, be like Jesus. They're just trying to do right. And they go exercise the power. But watch what happens. What does he say in verse 16? He says, uh, 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 but beware. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among toxic people. Did you see it? Oh, you must have didn't see it. I'm sending you out to your own folk as sheep among what? wolves, which is representative of toxic people. These are people going to tear you up if you're not careful. Right? So, be shrewd as a snake and harmless as a dove. Recognize those behaviors, those situations that will lead to a, a negative experience and as much as possible, avoid them. And when you cannot avoid them, then call them out, but do it with love, not with heated anger. The third thing, he says, watch this. If you set boundaries and be aware of where these, start avoiding these toxic encounters, you have to expect a reaction. People are going to misinterpret your actions and they're going to push back. Watch how it happens here in the text, verse 17, 18. Here's, here's what he says. Watch this verse, verse 17, 18. But beware, by shout, beware. See, the moment you start setting boundaries and the moment you start acting, responding differently, beware, beware, for there's a reaction. For you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers doing what I've asked you to do. Watch this. So it's not pain free, but this will be your opportunity. Shout opportunity. Come on, you didn't say it. Shout opportunity. Opportunity, opportunity to tell the rulers and other believers about me. This is your opportunity to show people the difference that having Jesus in your life makes. This is your opportunity to demonstrate that when God has given you power, you don't need to let other folk disempower you. This is your opportunity to be a light in dark places. Shout opportunity. Opportunity. All right. Move on. Next. Be wise about picking your battles. Not every battle requires the same response. Come up with a scale from one to ten. If it lands on a three, that does not know response. If it's a six, maybe that is a light response. If it's a nine, maybe it's a much more clear response. Let's just give you an example. If somebody says, talks about your weight in your family, they say, you just overweight. 
Well, now, depending on your security or insecurity, it might be a four or it could be a six. If, if you're insecure, it could be a, it could be a, uh, it could be a six. But, but, but what I hope you'll be able to say is, baby, you, you, you're missing. You're blind. I'm not overweight. I'm full size. <laughs> and everything you see is beautiful. And obviously, you can't handle it. Come on now. <laughs> nicely. Everybody say nicely. <laughs> but if they call your child overweight, come on now, that's a nine. <laughs> oh, I got to hurry up and run out of time, Lord. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, next, focus on the positive. Because there's some stuff you're going to disagree with and all that kind of stuff. Just set that aside. Just build a relationship around the stuff that, that is your interest, the stuff that you both like. Focus on the positive. And then lastly, duplicate Jesus in the relationship. Come on, say it. Say duplicate Jesus in the toxic relationship. Right. Let me give you an example. Come on here. here here's what I mean. His heart and his wisdom. Uh, Luke chapter 6. Verse 27, here's, here's what Jesus teaches. But to you who are willing, you got to be willing now to listen. Are you willing? I say this. Track my wisdom, Jesus saying. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. A lot of us, come on now, we, we, we do the psychology piece, right? We create distance. We create boundaries, but we don't pray for people. And do you know you can pray for people from a distance? Good God Almighty. You can forgive folk. It doesn't, mean, doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. It takes two to reconcile. But you can set them free from your heart. He said, and then here's verse 31. Here's what he says. He says, but do to others as you would like them to do to you. How many of you know that sometimes people act toxic because they don't know how to be loving? So when you act loving in the midst of their toxicity, you are modeling for them a more better way. Yeah. Tony, go ahead, celebrate that, celebrate that, celebrate that. As a matter of fact, that's where we're going to end right there. Come on, give God a hand praise. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs>